Dutch is a lifelong early adopter and trend discoverer. Chris is a philosopher, engineer, and futurist. Together, they are oddly incorrect. Hey. There he is. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Uh, good. I thought it was caught in a time loop for a minute there. <laughs> well, you know, would this have worked yesterday? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what happened. So I was listening to our show, our last oh, show. Oh, no. That you're, I posted. Are you are you totally? You're letting the memes get into your brain twice. I can't believe it. No, I was listening to our last show, and I thought, wait a second, this we're, we're referring to things that had that had already happened, and I'm like, okay, something's wrong here. And after I listened to it, I thought, wait a minute, something's wrong. And I found out that I put up, I'd uploaded the wrong show, right? I'd uploaded the wrong show. I uploaded an earlier show. So I uploaded the latest show, which fixed it. And then I realized everything that I wanted to talk about today, we had already talked about last time. <laughs> I thought, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, so, we're, Did we're, I... <laughs> we're, so you do know I wing this every week. I, I, no. I mean, you have new things. I come in maybe once once a month or maybe once every couple of months with something I'd like to talk about. But most of the time you start it off and we go from there. Yeah, like no, I have a, I have a little session. whiteboard that I, I have a, a quarter oh, whiteboard you do. that I, if I, if I, if something comes up that I want to talk about, I just throw it on there. And then I realized everything that's on the whiteboard is stuff that we talked about last week. And I'm like, wait, 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 what happened? <laughs> Did I fall well, off just kind of time loop? <laughs> but everything that happened last week has evolved past what we talked about. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, then, but I think the big picture river, stuff hasn't bud. really changed that much. It's it's a different river, you know. The the old Greeks saying that's right. You, you can never put your foot in the same river. So it, even if we talk about it again, it's a different context. So. <laughs> that is true. That is especially in the post Facebook world. <laughs> well, it's in in a, in a pre Facebook world. So it's 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 funny. Yeah, well, I, it's it's like this. Um, when I people call me, this one of my favorite favorite wisdoms is whenever I, would, I when I was eating out a lot, I, I had like a cycle. I would call people every I, like every two weeks. We'd all go. To, I'd go to dinner with everybody that was in my cycle. Mm -hmm. So I would call them up, and they the first thing they'd say is I had Mexican food at lunch. <laughs> Now, that, now that why would that be something. why would that be the first thing that they say? I, I'm going to ask you why do you think they say that? Because uh, you typically eat Mexican food with them. That's correct, <laughs> and and they all know that I I like to eat Mexican food. So yeah. my and my response is to to them is that Mexicans eat Mexican food every day every meal. That's right. So I'm like. What's the difference? You, this is why they have burritos, tostados, quesadillas, fajitas, empanadas. Yeah, and they're full blown. They're full blown cuisine. It's a full blown cuisine. They do. You gotta... they, they are. They have a, and I've got a cookbook in here that I got Rosa that is about two inches thick of the native uh, recipes of Mexico. Yeah, yeah. So there is more. Let's see. I'm trying to. We'll go to I'm, any of those I'm cultures, halfway. like Spanish, Portuguese, Greek. Italian, 
uh, even British, like they all have very deep, deep, deep cuisines, right? Yep. You could eat, you could eat that cuisine your entire life and still, and there's still tons of variety there. I mean, there's not as much variety as we typically get when you cross cuisines like we do here, but in other countries, it's very monocultural, right? It's only us. We're the only ones who are this as this multicultural, maybe, the, maybe Canada too and three other countries, but I mean, pretty much everywhere else you go, I mean, you go to China, you eat Chinese food. It's very rare <laughs> that you're going to see anything else. So, so what you're, since I've, I've never, I've only traveled internationally once. I think we've talked about this. I went to Montreal for an organization development concert way back in the 98 or something like that. And that's the only time I've really ever been out of the country. So right. what you're saying, since, since you travel internationally every so often, uh, somebody's trying to call me on my phone. I wonder <laughs> who that is. It's true. Wherever you go, everywhere in the, everywhere in the world, you, it, it's very monocultural, right? So when you're in France, like 90% of restaurants are French food. Did I lose you? No, I'm still here. Can you hear me? I wonder how that works. Can you hear me? Hello? 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 Well, yes, I lost I... you for a minute. Have you got me? I, I can hear you just fine. Okay. I, 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 I killed the call so I didn't recognize the number. So anyway, you, you were, I, I totally lost the train when the phone came in. We were <laughs> That's fine. In China. <laughs> so everywhere, everywhere I've been, everywhere I've ever traveled to, the the, the food culture is very monolithic, right? Mm -hmm. So whatever country that you're in, ma the majority of the food that you can get in that country is the food from that country. So if you travel to Greece, or if you travel to Italy, if you travel to China, if you travel to Singapore, if you travel to almost every other country, but the United States and possibly Canada, you're going to, you're going to be very, it's gonna, very monocultural. I mean, you can find Chinese restaurants in Athens, but there's very few. Uh, so in most of these Not countries, on every corner like they are here. Yeah, I mean, here we have su such an abundance of cross-cultural food. It's it's actually pretty amazing. It's very different from anywhere else in the world hmm. because you're not going to get you're not going to get that variety where you can just sort of drive down the street and go Mexican, Chinese, Japanese. Oh, this, oh. This. you don't like, see that. You go to, you go to you go to uh, um, Greece and it's like Greek, 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 Greek one Chinese restaurant. That's it. <laughs> well, so, so wait, wait. Since since I I like what Americanized Greek food I've tried. So are there like specialties within the Greek, like steakhouses and absolutely. Okay, absolutely. So what does that look like? I mean, what's the major? Well, I mean, it's usually broken think. down by, you know, the types of food. So there's just like steakhouses, there's fish places, there's, there's uh, places for uh, sort of tapas, like meze, which is just appetizers. There's dessert places. Yeah, it's all, it's all broken down. Dessert in the same places? Way. Well, I yeah. guess we have that too. Zaharoblastio. They're like bakeries, right? It's like a bakery. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so there's places that just serve dessert. There's places that just, that do... Uh, that are like a sit down taverna where you can drink and there's, and there's a variety of Greek foods. And sometimes it's, it's more, uh, there's home style foods and then there's grilled foods and then there's stewed foods. And yeah, there's, I mean, different, there are, there's a whole, but it's like every other country has that whole depth of cuisine, right? Like you say, you go to Mexico, 
you're going to be surrounded by Mexican restaurants. You'd be hard pressed to find a Chinese restaurant in Mexico. There'll be one, there'll be some, but not the, like the variety that we have here. Well, right? so are they like, um, let me see if I need to say this. I don't want to say it's politically, but are they in like the Chinese restaurants in Mexico or even the Chinese restaurants in, um, in Greece, are they in the Chinese enclaves? I mean, there's almost always sometimes an and sometimes a, sometimes they are. A, sometimes sometimes they, they are. are, but they're not. Typically. Well, they're not all. They're not all. They're like there is a Chinese enclave, and there's a few restaurants there, but there's all. They're also scattered around. Like for example, okay. in the suburb where I I have a a place, there's a Chinese restaurant and a and an American restaurant. So there's all. It's all Greek, <laughs> except there's one burger joint. Which is like an American restaurant. Actually, I tell a lie. There's four. There's four non-ethnic restaurants in the entire suburb. There's a Bavarian, like a German uh, beer garden. There's a uh, um, an American burger place. There's a Chinese place, and there's like an Italian restaurant, and that's it. But everything else is Greek, 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 Greek. So, hmm. so that's typical outside of the US. Outside of the US, it's very monocultural to whatever country you happen to be in. But here, it's the it's like the total opposite. It's very, very multicultural. So you're going to see foods you can like this is one of the few countries where you can eat really good foods from all different cultures at the same time. Like like you can you can have a choice of multicultural types of foods. Whereas there you have very little choice of anything other than the culture of the country that you're in. So the, one of the questions popped up a few years ago, I don't remember, I do not remember which blog I was reading, but there was, seemed to be a big push to, uh, or not, maybe not, that's not the right word, but it seemed that the Greek foods were going to, to grow. I, I mean, like really grow like Mexican food mm-hmm. to where you'd have like, um, I can't even think of a Greek word. Uh, like chains? McDonald's. Like a chain. Yeah, that'd be a good way to do it. Like a franchise. Yeah. yeah. And that just never seemed to happen. And to tell you, I, lo- I mean, like I said, the Americanized Greek food I've had was really good. Um, and I'm really surprised that you don't see them more often. As, well, I, I mean, think it's it has like, to do. Is it yeah. like sushi was about 30 years ago? Yeah, I think growing? it has to do with. Uh, I think it just has to do with the with the just the volume of the population, right? Um, because you see a like especially around here. Around here, you I mean there's tons of Italian and Chinese, right. right? But there's less of everything else. I mean, there's more Asian here because of their proximity to the West Coast. Right. There's more Italian in. There's more European foods in on the East Coast because there's more proximity to Europe, right? So. There, there's there's reasons why and Greeks are very thinly scattered <laughs> around here so it's it's hard it would be hard to put I mean there is a chain called Yasu you've probably seen it uh, but it's not as uh, it's obviously not as widespread as say Taco Bell or something like that and well, even actually, Taco Bell. I haven't seen that one so oh okay <laughs> but the chain I mean I mean, if you think about it, what Chinese food chains are there? What Panda Express? I mean, that's not yeah, particularly. That's about it. It's not particularly good Chinese food. <laughs> no, it's, I, Rosa keeps. She brings. She brings it up and says, "Have you ever eaten there?" 
She said, no, but Bill loves it. And I'm like, there's a, I need to, next time she brings I said, there's a reason why I don't really, I'm not really enthused because I'm as foodie as I am. There are, there are, it's like that. I'm, I'm not a foodie when it comes to chains at yeah. all. Yeah. I mean, I'll go to them because most people, you know, it's, it's a safe place to go eat. Yes. But if I were, if I'm left on my own, and I haven't done this in a while, is uh, when I was traveling, yeah, I lived off of Yelp. I mean, mm-hmm. Yelp, I would sit there and, oh, yeah. And I would go eat in all these bizarre places. Not that I would eat bizarre um, cuisine. I didn't eat like live live octopus or any of that kind of stuff like anything yeah you just there's like in every place you go there's always a hole in the wall mom and pop that's yeah. not a chain that is still really good food and that's what i've always experienced too i do the same thing like i remember when i was driving across the country to come out here i did the same thing like everywhere i stopped to to for overnight i wouldn't go to the mcdonald's or the pizza huts or whatever i would go to whatever hole in the wall they happened to be you know sometimes yeah. it was a taco place sometimes it was a just a diner, whatever, but it was, it was always local, local, local. And that's, that's what we, I think we should always strive for that because we know. I I I think so too. I mean, I, I, I I don't say they're mom and pop shops, but but very small franchises. I mean, really small, like one of my very favorite places to eat in San Francisco is Zao noodles, which is no longer there, which was a heartbreaking thing to find Mm. out about a month, about two months ago. I was, I was, we were thinking, I mean, you know, we were thinking of coming south and I was like, maybe we're going to, maybe we can go to Zao Noodles. Zao Noodles is closed. Mm. And they had like, they had probably about eight or 10 uh, locations in San Francisco. Oh no. So they probably made enough money or they sold it off. And you know, one of the things that um, um, Hershey's did is uh, Joseph A. Schmidt chocolates. Do you know them? Mm, sounds familiar. And they're a San Francisco uh, chocolatier. Mm-hmm. I I believe Hershey's bought them and closed them. Mm. And I'm you when these things would come out at Christmas, and I would buy. They would come out, and they came out in Costco, uh, which was amazing. I'm, I'm walking in Costco, and Joseph A. Schmidt chocolates are on the thing. And holy moly, look at this! <laughs> <laughs> and I bought. I think I bought like three or four boxes to like it because i knew it wasn't gonna i knew it was a christmas thing it was a christmas chocolate thing and they did that for two maybe three years and then they bought them and they were gone never, mm. never to be seen again and i used oh, i mean they, these things were mm, chocolate truffles i mean they're good they were good and yeah beautiful. well there's a I lot mean, of now there's a lot of artisanal chocolate places now that are opening yeah. that are reopening up like dandelion chocolate in the mission and stuff like that so i mean i like seeing stuff like that where you see these these artisanal and then like you said they're not really mom and pops they're they're small chains but they're lo- right. small local chains chains that you know they, at least they have some level of quality to them right. like down here there's there's a greek family that runs a small chain called bill's cafe and there's maybe about six or seven of them and they're all just scattered around the south bay and they're all really good sort of breakfast lunch places. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're really good. They're, they're like diners, right? We don't have, we don't really have real diners out here like they have out in the East Coast. I mean, that's the one thing I kind of miss. I wish we had you, more so diner type food here. Do you have, uh, in, in Alabama, they call them meat and three. Meat and three. <laughs> meat and, and that's, um, they're, they're basically the diners. They're only uh-huh. open for breakfast and lunch. 
and they're closed for for dinner. And I'm sure they're doing they're doing catering or something at at, at dinner. But it's it's a meat one meat. I mean, you can get whatever you want, but if you want the special, it's always going to be this on Monday, always going to be this on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same meal. It's not, there's not really any substitutes. If you order the thing on Monday, you get that in two, in two sides or three if you don't want the dessert. It's yeah. automatically part of the price. Yeah. So it used it's to be. the meat and two sides and a dessert. Yeah, those are all those. There, there were a few of those around here, but they're gone. They're all gone. Mm. It's uh, mm. and I don't know if it was the pandemic that killed them or or what, but uh, or the should I call it the scam demic, the pandemic? Yeah, <laughs> so, so I don't know. Did you see the one I pulled out yesterday? Is is on? Um, can't remember if it was on Patriots or Telegram, because I'm I'm taking more from both. Mm-hmm. I, I, I take a, um, a lot of stuff, unless well, even the memes that I'm pulling are mostly from Telegram. Uh, we are memes is is where I get most of them at now. We are memes. Okay, I got to remember to go there. Yeah. Uh, they put out about usually anywhere from ten to ten to fifteen a day, and they can go up, but they very seldom go less than that. Um, but there was one that was uh, that I put that I wherever I grabbed it from. I think it was Patriots because I'm as I think about because I I cut it I um, screen grabbed it and it was talking about how we're the people who didn't get backs we were better decision makers because we sat back and watched the outcomes and uh, yeah and uh, somebody else has called me hang on a minute <laughs> I'm gonna hang out and, and and tell her I'm on the phone so hang on a minute mm-hmm. Just take mm-hmm. a second yeah no problem. I'll just hum. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, have you seen, <laughs> since you brought that up? Have, um, have you seen Miriam, Miriam, uh, um, Balaam on, on, You know, Ooh. Alex Trebek is gone. Miriam Balaam or, or from Big Bang Theory and Blossom. That's on oh, is she, doing, is she doing she's Jeopardy doing now? It. She's doing <laughs> Jeopardy now. And they tell, uh, Rose said that she's there um, kind of interim, but they they think that if if she does well, she'll take over Alex's job, which is not a bad gig because he was there for like 30 years. So, you know, that's, that's pretty steady income. Yeah, but I mean, isn't that like below her skills? Isn't she was like a? Isn't she a, like she's a, a neurosurgeon? neuroscientist? <laughs> a yeah, neuroscientist. Well, not a surgeon. She's a neuroscientist. <laughs> neuroscientist uh, actress. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I use the I use the gender specific word. Oops. <laughs> Oops. You know what oh, annoys me? Bit. You know what annoys huh? me when people what? say partner when they mean their husband or wife. I'm sorry, yeah. but that pisses me off. I don't know why that pisses me off. It just pisses me off because it's like, why can't you just say husband or wife? Why do you have to well, say you know why you can't say or why you're not well, supposed to? Why? Well, I mean, the, what's what's wrong with those words? Are they like bad? Nothing, Are they bad nothing. words? So, so here's the thing: we have been trained and trained and trained since the since the almost the time we were writing. I, I won't say it was the first couple of years of writing, but by the time the fourth grade showed up, I can pretty well sure. That they were telling us to be specific 
right? Yeah. Yep. Be specific, which yep. is not an easy thing to do anyway. Yeah. Uh, but how is partner specific? It's yeah, not. exactly. It's like saying spouse. <laughs> well, why don't they say spouse? My spouse. Well, spouse, instead of my because, this, because spouse is like a legal term, right? <laughs> is it? Well, I think so. And, and well, the thing I've is, it's, a, it's really so cold, know. right? Isn't that a, it's like a super cold term. It's like, uh, <laughs> anyway, I mean, the, the so, thing that so bugs me about it your, is that. Go to your so wife and say, honey, I'm going to start calling you spouse instead of my wife. You <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> exactly. Then then report back to me and let me know. I'm it's doing okay. I already know. Right I, I've seen into the future. I am a futurist. So I've seen into the future and I know I already know what's going to happen if I say that. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to say that. But why why do we introduce these kinds of 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 vague why do we introduce all this vagueness into our lives? Why do we have to do that? Well, you know the answer to that too is because um, this is equity. This is this is equity in language. This is what that is? That's but I mean, I, I don't understand. But I, the, the thing I don't understand about it is that what, where, what does it get you when you do something like that? When you become, when you use the non-specific term, I mean, Come what's the, the upside? Come on, dude. What's the upside of using the non-specific term? It's just, it's just dehumanizing us. Is that what it is? Well, that's part of it. Yeah, the automaton is part of it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you, um, the state. The state is, they're using useful idiots on this one because I don't, I, I'm not even, if we find out the government is messing around with pronouns, there may be a pot, there may be, I may have to go get some pitchforks. Um, <laughs> they need, the, if you think government's messing, I mean, they're messing around with this anyway, but they don't need to be messing with the language. I, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I remember when I was, uh, let me think. But the first rule of 1984 is that they have to mess with the language. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I mean, if you don't mess with the language, you can't control. Once the terms are eliminated. Well, anyway. so it's the memory hole thing mm -hmm. is, is that you, is by redefining it, you're, you're able to define, you redefine the definition. That's one. But this is this goes back into. Um, there's a there's an old organization development game game called Win as much as you can, and what mm -hmm. it's it's based around um, uh, game theory, and it's it's a it's a it's around prisoner prisoner's dilemma, is really what it, it's at the heart of it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm studying this thing. I'm studying, and finally I realized the only way you can win this game is if you go you go up there and change the payouts at the start of the game because the state payouts are uh, if you if you and I cooperate or our team cooperates, if we cooperate and we get we get less, we can't. Uh, let me see if I remember this. As a team, we get the we get less than the optimal outcome as the two teams. If we cooperate, we get less. But if we if one of us defects, they get higher outcome than we do by by sticking with the agreement. Right. Have you ever been through this thing? I, yes, it, I've, it I've heard of something like it. I've heard yeah, of something. I'm sure like you've it. been through something that is like it. Yeah, but I, I went. The only way is the next time. I swear, the next time that somebody pulls this on me, 
I'm going up to the whiteboard, changing the payouts to my payout, not their payout. Nice. Because they've set it up. They've set it up. As I understand it's a learning exercise, but learning to change the payout is also a learning exercise. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you go in, I, I used to love to do this, is look at the OD, organization development exercises for group team building and all this stuff and just destroy them. I mean, just destroy them. <laughs> There's one that they had about decision-making. Somebody put this thing in there and I look at it, and I look at my group. So like this group versus this group. And I just looked in this group and I said, group, we're here learning about decision-making. I decided I'm going to delegate my decision to you. <laughs> and whatever you decide is what I I love it. And, I love oh, it. You talk about a facilitator that about lost it. Oh man, oh man. <laughs> that's the way to do it. Change the rules of the change the rules of the game. But that's I the only it. way that I mean that's essentially what we're talking about. Changing the language is changing the rules. Yeah. You're exactly. changing uh, I, I mean, we talk a lot about um, quantum stuff a lot. And with the infinite possibilities, then you're getting a, a nuance. That nuance has has the butterfly effect from chaos theory that can really change the world. But yes. it has to happen at small, small, small levels. Yes, but you know, I actually this leads into something I, I remembered I wanted to talk about is you know about the dead. Is it internet. on the board? Did you? It's not it on the board. Board? I was about to put it on the board. You know the dead internet theory. The what? The dead internet theory. Um, so you need to go. You need to go to the other. Co- there's a. There's another community on communities.win called Conspiracies. <laughs> I just found I, it the other day. I swear you're you're deeper down the rabbit hole than I am. I just happen to know some that you haven't found yet. This is a good one though. This is a good one though. So, the dead internet theory is the theory that the internet itself is no longer people. Like everybody who looks like a person on the internet is no longer a person. It's just an AI. It's just a sophisticated AI. So the internet itself is dead. Like there's actually no value left on the internet. And they were talking about, here's the clues. Like when you go to Google and you search for something, you're only going to find like, a small subset of the routes, even though they tell you there's like a billion results for this thing, right. you're only going to get a tiny little, like after the first couple hundred, it's the same shit over and over again. So it's, and, and, and then Twitter's full of bots and there's AI and all this stuff. And basically, I mean, in the, I don't, I don't think we're quite there yet personally, but I think we're heading in that direction where everything that you see, everything that you experience on the internet is like, we know it's totally constructed. But is it totally constructed completely by AI? So everything that we're seeing, there's no actual people on there. It's all dead. The internet's been killed. <laughs> and it's, it's, that's the dead internet theory, is that it's all being run by AI and bots. And we think we're communicating with other human beings when we're on there, but we're not. Remember, you see those things on when sometimes when they say, you know, they have the exact same tweet repeated by 17 oh, different yeah, people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just walked out of the ER. I just walked out of the ER. I just, it's like, wait a yeah, minute. Yeah. So this and, is like 17 different bots tweeting the uh, same at, message. At least, no, they're, uh, 17 is not even worth the time. Yeah. It's got to be thousands. Yeah. I mean, it's got yeah. to be an impact. It's got to be a thousand. Exactly. 
So that's the so the dead internet theory is an extension of that theory that maybe all of the internet or pretty much all of the internet we experience at least most people normies experience is just it's just completely faked. And I think that there's there's some to that theory. I don't think we're all the way to the point where it's completely run by AI and completely dead, but it's it's on its way. It's on its way to dying. Because right now we, we can never get anything even close to the reality out of the internet. I don't know, what are your thoughts? Well, we've talked about reality before and that's all in your head anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, now, are you talking objective reality? That's something different. Uh, well, I mean, it we used to be that about. when you're on, when you get on the internet and you do some searching, you could actually find some truth, right? Well, so, now you so can't you, find anything. <laughs> well, no, I don't know that you can find any truth, but something you used to get is let me see what, what when you were talking about it, it came up. Um, they used to oh they used to tell you that they got multiple results, right? And then they would they would just scrape them so you didn't deal with multiple results or I guess I don't say exact results but it's nuanced. So if you're looking uh, if you're if you're searching you you really and this is kind of funny too going back to what we were talking about specifics you if you want value out of the internet you have to be really specific. I mean, really, really, really specific. If you want to be to get good value out of it, if not, right. you're 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 floating on the top of it, which we do most of the time anyway. Um, because the detail, not everybody's a, a detail, um, a domain expert. Yeah, what they used to call them. Mm -hmm. And and so I've, there's something I put out as mean is that we all. That we couldn't do our, our sixth graders math, but we're all suddenly epidemiologists or something like that, or virologists with math, you know, high level math, statistics and all this other stuff. Yeah, it's it's a mean to say, yes, we are we are making decisions on a high level, on a, uh, actually, a, I should say a low level understanding. We have a very low understanding of this, but this has always been true. Mm -hmm. You, it's, it's it's the talking it's the talking points that led to the Columbia accident. Uh, accident. It's always been true. The specifics mm -hmm. are the detail. The, the details are are not usually brought up in the decision. Mm. The actual details, because they're nuanced. Oh, that doesn't make any difference. Why are you talking about that? That that why why do you raise this every time you raise this? And then next thing you know, you've got a rocket blowing up because the 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 temperature of the O-ring on the on the booster rocket was was too cold by one or two degrees. Yeah, That's did I tell you small. about this? Did I tell you about this? So I, I told you that I was doing my uh, um, Stanford um, uh, yeah. thing, uh, e right? EMBA. And one of the the one of the critical the critical thinking projects was they took the they took the they, uh, it was the columbia that blew up right mm -hmm. they took oh, they took they took that disaster and they rewrote it as a uh, auto business race case. at a business auto case okay. but it was a, okay. it was an auto race and instead of it being the shuttle blowing up what it was was um, you know would it, would it blow your engine Right. Mm -hmm. And they were talking and they use the same parameters, you know, with the, the temperatures and this and that and this and that. And you had to analyze it. 
And at the end, you had to come up with a decision whether to race or not to race, which would be analog to, you know, should you launch or not launch, right? right. And I went through it over and over and over and over again. And then I realized that the answer was is that we don't have enough information to make a decision. And, we never do. And, we and, never do. and, and on the strength of that, I said, don't race. And I actually got the right answer, which was you shouldn't race because of that. It was the temperature. That was exactly right. Is that 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 had not been tested in the temperature range that was happening on race day. So it was the mm. same thing that happened there. And I said, no, don't race because you're going to blow the engine because of these parameters we we're, we don't know about. Right. So I, I looked on the safe side and I said, don't do it. And then they said, yep, that was the right answer. And I'm like, wow. So So the decision was made based on. Uh, lack of information. They just went for it because, they're, like no, you no, said, no. there were too many pressure, too much pressure to go you, for it, right? Well, yes, but this is also this is also the converse of that is goal directed, right? Goal directed. So, I, 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 when I was in grad school, we A uh, and one of our business, one of our courses was a marketing course, and that was on the West Campus. We had to take the bus from where our building was to get to the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the guys that I was taking the class with uh, got off too early. We got off the camp. We, we didn't really know how we were getting there. So we got off the bus one stop too early, mm. which put us behind. We were going to be behind. And instead of waiting for the next bus, which would have been five minutes and getting there about 10 minutes ahead of time, he decided to run. Now, I was <laughs> in my 40s then. And probably smoking, or maybe had just stopped smoking about a month or two earlier. So I wasn't in any shape to run. I'm looking at the guy, are you crazy? We could have, his goal was to get there before the class. And my goal was to get there on the bus and not have to run. (laughs) (laughs) But the the thing is, is he, he had in his mind, he was goal directed. Once he got his goal set, that was that was the only solution. And you'd be surprised right. how many people are like that. There's only it's, and we talk about it all. I talk about it all the time. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Now, one of these days, I'm going to have to come up with something better than that. Well, well, to, well. Sooner or later, you can still go be goal directed, like you said. I mean, but goal direction, goal direct, being goal directed, um, like doesn't necessarily narrow your paths to the goal number of it, paths well it does with certain subsets so right go ahead with because i think you got a good point no i was going to say that you, i mean there's the goal directed versus what is teleological versus etiological right. where and you uh, know i'm so glad that i'm smart enough to know what you just said <laughs> uh, i that that is part of my rhetoric so teleological that is part of it so anyway go ahead but you know, even if you are goal directed, uh, you can still you can still look at different paths to the goal. But you just take the most the most expedient, right? That's what people end up doing. And it's also part of Occam, Occam's Razor, right? They go, "Oh, what's the simplest path? Would just be to run." But it's no, not the most effective. It's not. See, well, you raise the thing: be effective versus efficient. Yeah. This is one I think we could we could probably make a business off of this. <laughs> is effective versus efficient because they will they will 
they they will shave corners. So we, you and I have talked about change management. I have probably said this before, but I, I, I think the whole reason change management evolved is because managers tend to cut corners. Mm-hmm. And change management is to make sure that, yeah, you can say you're going to cut those corners, but we're going to cover your bases by mm-hmm. doing the things you should have done, but you didn't have time to do. I mean, yeah. in some of it's a time management for the project manager because they delegate a whole load of, of admin, I don't want to say administrative, but they're, they're communication uh, effort. Yeah. Because there's a ton of communication that goes with these big change efforts. Tons and tons. Of well, yeah, that's exactly it. But isn't that what exactly what it is? I mean, it, it, change well, management a, yes, is just change management. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's project management too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's basically getting everyone prepared for the change. <laughs> but, well, but, so, but I mean, it's funny how this has been. I mean, when did change management become, become a thing? Because I think we talked about this before. It's like yeah. companies never used to care about change management. They just said, okay, hey, this change is coming. Get used to it. Don't like it? There's the there's the door. So right? okay, since you're since you were inside and you were at Yahoo. Mm-hmm. What you were, I didn't name you specifically, but I would point out that Yahoo makes a change to their thing and millions of people are affected and they, and you know, they just do it and we yep. still get by. We, yep. yes, we can, we bitch and complain and moan and all this stuff. Yep. Because we don't understand it. But sooner or later, we figured the interface out and we make it work. That's right. But everyone does that. Somebody, Apple does that. Google does that. Big tech, everybody just does hit it. the button. Facebook do does it. Change management efforts for 1.5 billion people. I can tell you they don't do it. Exactly. So why why do people do it anyway? I mean, is it just like one of those HR? I think it's yeah. just an HR feel good program. That's basically well, what I'm thinking. Is no, like I mean, how much of corporate there. how much of corporate programs are HR feel good programs? I mean, tons of them, right? There's tons of that well, stuff. I almost have to back out because we were located in in HR, although. I I personally believe change management should be in um, the the uh, inter, uh, the um, technology. What am I trying to say? The internet technology or the the te- um, IS uh, information technology. It should be that's where we should be. Right is um, and the reason being is because most of these big change efforts are associated with technology. Oh, I agree you with you one hundred percent. I agree with you one hundred percent. You get some HR people in there and they're all about the people and they don't understand technology and it doesn't really work. You have to have a technocrat working with the bureaucrat. Yeah. Yeah. But the, it, but the, like the, the, that's the thing with change management that they've, they've, they're fallen into the trap of thinking it's only about communications, right? It's only about yeah. telling people what's going to happen so, so that they're so prepared. Variant with what's for what's going to happen and they can roll with what's going to happen. But that's well, not, that's, that's, that's not the all there is. Idea. Yeah. The whole idea is that, that we prepare them mm-hmm. or we, or my group prepared them. And there's, there's a, like I said, there's a ton of, of things of changes because you got different departments are going to see different interfaces. And that, and a lot of it is that you cannot, um, there is a, there is an overall change, but there are variations within that change. I guess that goes with my uh, more than one way to skin a cat. 
is that there's lots of little lines that are feeding up to get to those those um, um, heads up the heads up display. What am I Not the bulletin board. What do they call them? Um, uh, oh man, it nearly popped in my head. It's it's the report that everything rolls up to. It's it's a, a dashboard. Dashboard. Yes, that's it. That's exactly okay. it. Because if you get that dashboard wrong, I mean, a lot of these decision makers, they're using the dashboard. They have no idea what the what the details are. And this goes back to what we we're talking earlier about details is those details get rolled up and rolled up and rolled up and scrubbed and all kinds of stuff. So you're not really using real data anymore. You're using a similar semblance of real data. But if the details are being eliminated, then how do you know what how do you know what details to eliminate? You don't. Well, that, see, that's a, but see, this is where power comes in. I know I've said this too. It is not um, not what's the, what's the word? Knowledge is power, right? Knowledge yep. is power. Yeah. Until the power card is played and it trumps it every time. When power right. is played on top of knowledge, it trumps it every time, and it happens over and over and over again. And the details get swept away for expedience or some polit some political uh, gain for the leadership, usually. So the people in charge are all basically always win. They always win. <laughs> it's all set up for them to win. If so how do, how do we change that? I mean, well, sometimes the we, people who are in charge shouldn't be winning. Too. The people should be winning. Yes, and we've talked about this too, is low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit is set up for the leadership to win because we, we, want, some, we want some quick wins. That's what that will, quick wins, quick wins. Yep. Ugh, hate those things because the systemic stuff still hangs out there. And so, so Rosa, this actually taps into what Rosa and I were talking about. There's, so as we were talking about I'm conservative. She said, what is that? I said, okay, well, I have a thing in my mind. This is the way I think about it. The difference between a conservative and a liberal is a liberal has a house that's falling down around, around them. They will go build a new house. A conservative will uh, renovate the house that he's living in. Mm. Interesting. I wrote this way back when I was a newspaper editor for my college. That was one of my uh, editorials. Oh man! <laughs> Did I stir up a? You I, must I have. So disagree with you. Oh, the professor taught me as I'm walking in the hallway. I so disagree with you on that. That I, I totally believe you. You got that totally wrong. But think about this: when you're when so they're dealing with theory, mm. and this goes back to what we talked about too. Is when they're dealing with theory, they the reason I'm telling Rose this is they don't want to have to make the hard decisions to deal with actions. So yep. they read this is this is the memory hole with the language and everything. They do not want to be the mean guy, they don't want to have to deal with the hard decisions. All that stuff is with a, a broken down building, which is why they come up with new programs all the time because. The old program didn't work. Let's just memory hall that one and yep. put in this new one. Well, if you don't fix the, the stuff that didn't work in the old program, I mean, really fix it, 
then how are you going to build a better program? You're just going to have uh, um, basically a band-aid or an ad hoc solution. That's, yeah, or a workaround. That it's it's always going to be like that. Yeah. Yeah, we we talked about workarounds too. But as why don't why is the workaround always not built in? Why is it not built in from the get go? And it never is. It mm -hmm. just never is. Oh well. <laughs> well, that's it. That's interesting. Uh, so you you you're a renovator, but not a but not a new builder. So I guess I'm trying to. So yeah. Out how so that okay. Works. So innovation. So so let's put it in innovation terms. Innovation is you got that you got a house. So you have this old house like the historical thing, and you turn it into a um, uh, coffee shop. Mm -hmm. Make it really simple. You turn it into a coffee shop. But you go to the government because you've got a historical place. You have to rebuild it within the parameters of the original yep. uh, building, right? Yep. 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 It costs and if you're so doing it right, what you money. want to do is you want to maintain the historic so it, aspect of the building as yep. a as a design at point to make it more interesting for the for the clientele. To be sitting in like a brick building or whatever. I don't whatever. think the clientele gives a rat's ass about it, but that's. I don't a, know, but you like it's like. Would you want to make a cool coffee shop? Would you just refresh it and make it look like every other coffee shop? No, you want to take. Well, you want no, to take no, advantage you, of the building itself. Yeah. Okay, I see your point on that, but I don't. I think most clientele want. They don't care what it looked like back in eighteen ninety eight. They don't. Most. People oh, maybe don't, in eighteen ninety eight they don't care, but maybe they care now. I don't know. <laughs> Well, do we care even so? Okay, maybe that's not far in the fact. I don't really care that it was 1798. I'm still drinking coffee there. Oh, okay. They, they use different rigs. The minute that I figure, you know, that I look at it go one time, then I pretty much have taken in all the ambience I'm going to get. Yeah. So every time after that is habituation and you're, you're used to it, so you don't pay any attention to it. Yeah, if you like the environment. Then you go. You'll go back if you don't like the environment. Right. Then you won't. Yeah, because there's so much choice. So, so going back to the innovation, they took a home that was built in 1898 and they turned it into a coffee shop. So that's a, to me that's innovation. You take something and you turn it into to a different tool. Mm -hmm. I, I, so you're the innovator guy. Uh, I'm more the creative guy, so we're there. I'm sure there's tension between the two of those, but I'd like to hear what you think innovation is because it's a it's a really interesting field of study to do innovation. Well, I think it's it, there are two different kinds. Obviously, there's incremental and there's disruptive, right? And I think what you're talking about is incremental innovation, whereas you take you take something and you refresh it so that it's new and different, right? Uh, but, but it has it's still the same. It's still the same. And then there's, it, it's kind of like when you have a product and you add new features to the product, right? As opposed to coming up with a whole brand new product, right, like right, something right. like, for yeah, example, something like Twitter was, is completely innovative because nobody ever came up with that concept before. So that's a disruptive innovation, right? Whereas uh, Facebook adding a feed to their thing is not really is an incre is incremental and it's just something that they've copied from somebody else so i wouldn't even call that innovative or or kind of like the design of the iphone right i found if you look at an iphone right now the iphone hasn't changed physically from the day it, it launched 
right? It's gotten larger, right. smaller, but it still looks like a, can a flat candy bar with icons, right? Mm -hmm. So if you ask me, they haven't innovated since 2008, right? They haven't really innovated. And then when you look at an iPad, it's a larger iPhone. And when you look at an Apple right. Watch, it's a smaller iPhone. So it's all, <laughs> it's like not, it, there's, there's no innovation there whatsoever. Now, if they had come out with a flip phone or a folding phone or something that was a completely different, um, a completely different form factor, then I would say that that was innovation. Everything else they're doing is just incremental feature building. So I would say that from a from a design standpoint, they're not really innovating. Does that does that answer your question? Or yeah, but I'm, I would so so you're not giving me a definition of innovation, <laughs> which would be innovative. Well, you know you. the funny thing about the uh, the definition of innovation is. Uh, it depends it on who you talk to. Some people say, oh, innovation is a, a new thing that brings you a lot of money, <laughs> a new profitable business that brings you a lot of money. And other people say innovation is just a new way of doing some, uh, solving a problem, right? So if I came up with a new way of purifying water in the third world or something like that through like electromagnetic pulses, then that would be an innovation. Or and some people say, well, if you can't charge money for this new way of of filtering water in the third world, then it's not an innovation. It's a oh, great no. idea, but it's not an innovation. <laughs> so oh, it depends so on who you're talking to. ROI and bean counters. Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. I don't like that definition at all. Well, that's and then if you talk to uh, there's a really good book called Loon Shots. I don't know if I told you about this, but this guy argues that the only people who can be truly innovative is the state, because the state or academics. The state or academics are the only ones who can be truly innovative because they don't have to worry about the profit motive. Like right now, we're all innovating because of the profit motive. We're looking okay. for wait, a wait, better, wait. more profitable thing. And that's what we're trying to innovate towards. But what he's trying to say is that uh, all of the big innovations came didn't come out of the profit motive. They came out of just the, oh, we want to achieve something motive. Like, and he was talking about the internet, how the internet started out as ARPANET, and it, it was just connecting academic institutions and military together, but we yes, weren't but talking- that wasn't intentional. Exactly. Go on, sorry, I've been, I've been ranting for a while. Well, no, you haven't been ranting. You've just been, <laughs> you've just been spouting, that's what it was, it's different. Um, oh, now I forgot what it was. Um, you were talking about Innovation, the ROI, and uh, oh man, oh, I hate that. I hate, I hate that the bean counters have gotten involved. In, oh yeah, they're, they're, they the say they're not interested in innovating unless there's some ROI to it. And I'm like, but that's oh, not oh, the I point of innovation. The point of innovation is not ROI at all. No, it's not. It's it, but so going back to what what your guy was saying, is 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 Maslow. He, what he's saying is they're not involved in Mas with the with the profit motive, but they're also at the peak, almost at the peak of Maslow's power of human, uh, human motivation. Right. Maybe not even, maybe at the self-actualized level when you look at it institutionally. That, am, am I making sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. But here's the flaw, here's the flaw with Maslow. If that's true, if that by relieving all this pressure you go up the chain, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, human or human motivations, actual yeah. ideas. Um, how come we take care of all this stuff for the, I hate to say this, but for the downtrodden in, in housing products or projects, 
home, everything's taken care of. Where is the creativity coming from those people? Remember those uh, individuals who are in the housing project? Yep. Yeah. There is none. What, there is, so there's there's something wrong there. Yeah. With that theory. That's one that's one of the flaws with Maslow's theory. We said it and it's an I believe there's no go back and see what you can find for science. So there is no peak to the pyramid. No. And so there's no I'm surely I've talked to you about this. But self-actualization, self-actual like where does where does Maslow get this that he thinks the self-actualization really well, is the pinnacle? But, I mean it sounds like bullshit to me, but go ahead. It is, and 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 this is I believe there is another pyramid that's inverted right alongside the social side of this, because this is all self-directed. His pyramid, I believe there's a social. So do you have this pyramid uh, uh, outlined or diagrammed? Anywhere? Yes, I am somewhere I do. But okay. so basically it's really easy. It's the difference of between giving two and providing and providing two. Mm. Uh, no, take, taking, I'm sorry. So one side is taking from, you get safety from, you get your um, um, sustenance from, you get uh, your, what's the, I, I always forget this. I always forget what they are and I did a paper on this. This, this, this is my Florence government paper, if I could ever find it, is that looking at it, when you get to self-actualization, it's not enough. Because to get your belonging needs, you need to get it from somewhere else, mm. from outside. Mm -hmm. And for self-actualization, you have to be able to provide all those needs below you to somebody else. If you're self-actualized, you should be able to provide the, the safety needs to people who are lower on the, on the chain. Okay, so if you if you depending on where you are on the on the pyramid, mm -hmm. you should be able to take because you you have achieved that, right? Right. So you should be take the the surplus of that and give it to other people, or the knowledge of. Yep. Right. It's so not a, it's not a selfish. It's not. And I hate, I hate this is this came. From, this is one of the reasons it took me so long to buy into Donald Trump is because he was basically the model that I was using as Maslow. He was the self-actualized individual mm. at the top. When I started this paper back in 1995, yeah, 1995. Yeah, because everyone has a, everyone has a uh, model in their head of what a self-actualized person would be. Right. And, and a lot of people was, wouldn't say fine. that he would be it. <laughs> no, but, but, on the selfish model, yes, because he's self-actualized. Yeah. He he. But on the other side, as I got to know him better, he also does the inverted pyramid too. Yeah. I mean, he provides all. Look at all the stuff that we 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 eventually find out about, but he was doing it all along. Yeah. And so that 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 really, when I started reading that, okay, he's not just a selfish sob. He is actually living the other side of that too. But that's Once the thing that, that struck me as so interesting is that the moment he declared, he it became a public enemy number one. Oh yeah, it's like yeah. the 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 history books were rewritten <laughs> in that in that moment. 
that this guy who palled around with celebrities that everybody loved, that everybody wanted to be, even Obama said, you know, the American dream is becoming right. Donald Trump. All of this, all of this admiration for the guy changed when he disappeared came down and an elevator. immediately when he became a threat to them. When he was just a clown on the sidelines, they were okay with it. But as yeah, soon as he became a threat to them, they, 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 they had to start digging his grave. Well, the, the other side of that is they did not know that he wasn't a clown. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know whether I buy into the 5D chess and all this kind of stuff that, that you see every once in a while. You see it on Reddit all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do believe that he, he is smarter than his opponents because he gives them way more rope to hang themselves. And then he just sits there and pulls it in. Oh, yeah. Uh, his, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love seeing that. Now, I love seeing that. <laughs> his little uh, missive that he sends out from the president. Of Don, uh, I don't think he says former president. He just says President Donald 45th, Trump. 45th president. Yeah. those yeah. His, They're better than his tweets. Man, oh, man. <laughs> These things are lethal. Oh, they're but great. Unfortunately, very few. They don't get hardly any news coverage because they. Well, they, they get zero coverage. They get yeah. zero coverage. And that's not, that's why he wants to get back on Twitter because more people will be able to see. Which will well, be see, this is the same problem we were talking about last thing. week. How the hell do you get the normies to to listen to the to reality? You can't. I mean, not in reality, but no, not the truth. Not like better information. I don't know what what's the word I could use here. Well, it's like so we're we in the know, this, but so they aren't. About, um, <laughs> what we need is a really good something that we uh, something that we think is on the surface of, of, of breaking out. So this goes to what's that curve? Uh, the, the curve. Well, if you um, listen, if you talk to if you saw the, the guy who runs Gab, he says we need a parallel Christian society. We need a parallel Christian Internet. And I'm like, how's that going to happen? How's that going to work? We tried uh, doing multiple parallel internets, and that never worked in the past. Well, the, I don't. I I disagree with him. You need to go. You need to go where where the because traffic. You're yeah. not going to pull more traffic. Everything yeah. is traffic. If you don't understand traffic dynamics, then you're you're doomed to fail. You really oh yeah. Have to and I actually want to talk about that next week, but I got to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Write it on the board. Write it on because it's on the board. Okay. It's on the I'll board right now. I'm writing it on the board. I don't know if you can hear hear the board being written. <laughs> are you using chalk or are you using whiteboard marker? It's a whiteboard. It's a whiteboard. What what am I oh, like? I, what so am I, I like a, from the time of Jesus or what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think I should have put a cork cork board. That'd be fun. I'll put that a cork board fun. up. So so darts at it. <laughs> Instead of, instead of picking one, you throw a dart. Oh, today we hit on so-and-so and so. Yeah, I love it. All right, I'll sir. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Have a good one. All right, bye. Bye. To be continued on the next episode of Oddly Incorrect.